0: okay here we are i think i think you know what has happened in the time between since i last saw you and now um it is wednesday april 11th 104 p.m pacific standard time which means i'm home in my house and i've tried to have a a few moments in between um putting out on 18 and then now so that I could collect my thoughts. The problem is, is that my thoughts seem to be uncollectible in this regard. Like I just can't, the, 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 the thoughts and the experience just like it's, it's moving so quickly, you know, and every two seconds I'm like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So I have like, I actually have notes, believe it or not. I have notes for myself uh, to remember Um, because I have a very, bad memory. I forget a lot of things. So yeah, it's 1 PM. Um, just a quick checkup before we get into the meat of the story. I went to the doctor this morning and I have, I still have the cyst on my vocal cord, but she said it looked good. I didn't know that cyst could look good. And, um, so anyway, that's that. She said I can remain talking. Well, she said I should stop talking for a week. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And she was like, okay, fine. Um, I just came downstairs from the kitchen where I prepared the paleo cookie batter. And if you're new to the podcast, you'll know that that's one of our little rituals that we do. It's one of my gifts to guests is a handmade gluten-free paleo cookie. That is quite tasty. We can all agree. Um, so I'm going to take a break. I think once we get through the first nine, I'm going to go upstairs and bake those sons of bitches. And then, uh, I'm going to probably make some coffee and then I'm going to come back down here and get on a little sugar rush for the, for the second nine. Okay, so a lot of questions uh that I'll try to get to that have been really great. Um I gotta say, first of all, I'm really nervous. <laughs> I'm more nervous now than I was on the first tee by far. Um totally. Okay, so anyway, you, you go up to the front gate. I think that's where I left you guys on Instagram. Um you show them the little letter. They smile at you kind of knowingly. You know, they know that you dreamt about this since you could dream or since you knew about it and you know, uh, then you continue down Magnolia lane and yeah, I mean the energy there is, it's a bit anxious, right? There's a bit of anxiety. It's beautiful, but also you're in a car that's moving and you want to stop. <laughs> you know, I was filming it with my phone, like an, like a millennial with proud millennial here. Or am I, am I gen Y? Gen Z. I'm not Gen X. I have to stay on topic because otherwise we'll be here for like 12 weeks. I was joking to myself at one point that I could just do, uh, every week I could do a recap of my round. <laughs> at <Augusta. laughs> That could be a whole new podcast. Um, so you, you know, you enter the clubhouse. I had been lucky enough to walk inside the clubhouse with my press pass, but even then I felt very much like an outsider, like I didn't belong in there. Uh, now I felt a little bit more like I did. Um, you know, you have this one hour of how do you spend your time and I thought I knew how I would do it. I told myself I wasn't going to eat breakfast and I was going to go to the shop later after the round. Well, of course, I walk in, first thing I do, breakfast, well, I'll have some breakfast. <laughs> So I sit, down, I sit down all by myself. The uh, the restaurant's very empty. Obviously, no one's in there. There's about 12 tables. It's very, very tiny. Pictures of Bobby Jones everywhere and very, very beautiful and, and old, like yellow wallpapers and things, golf channels playing. And um, yeah, so I plop down. I get some grits and I get a sausage biscuit. And um, and then I get another coffee. And I'm already pretty caffeinated at this point. Um, but I figure, you know what? <laughs> If there's one day to over-caffeinate, it's today. <laughs> um, so then I leave the breakfast. It was very good. The guy was very nice. He took a photo of me eating breakfast. It's it's terrible. It's the worst photo I've ever taken. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I walked downstairs and I was thinking about going to the range, but I just sort of walked around uh, the hallways. There's this sort of outdoor corridor that's very plantation-esque. And I walked down that and I ended up in the pro shop. Messed around in there for a little bit, and then, and then I walked outside the pro shop where it kind of faces directly to the first tee, and there were some people teeing off, and there was a little statue of Bobby Jones, and the weather. I mean, the weather was tremendous. It, I felt very lucky. You know, I prefer the Scottish and Irish weather. Um, the sun is a uh, inexpensive commodity here in Los Angeles, so I really like to have the 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 kind of gray. More golf weather. It's easier to see as well, and and the sun. I mean, come on, who likes the sun? All right, all right. You're in Minnesota, and you're like, fuck off, Eric. I love the sun. I don't even know what it is anymore. I my kid can't, paints pictures of it. <laughs> Why is the sun always in the corner? Um. Okay. So so then I just dilly dally. Literally, just dilly dally. Had a I had another coffee. Walked just walked around. Someone came up to me and said, uh, "Sir, um, can I help you?" And I was like. Uh, no. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? And I was like, I'm playing golf. And he was like, Oh, and I laughed. I said, look, I know it doesn't look like I belong here, but I do. And he said, no, it's okay. Some people just walk in. And I was like, nobody walking in here, buddy. This place is like Fort Knox. Uh, I chose for my outfit to wear, um, pink pants. My only golf shoes I had were gray, which I would prefer white, but you know, I wasn't, didn't really have my outfit planned. And I had an orange golf shirt, like a hot orange. It kind of clashed, but sometimes I'm okay with that. And then I walked in wearing a black sweat sweater. But then in the pro shop, I found, of course, a blue sweater with the Augusta National Golf Club logo. More on that material later, because um, I did go back to the pro shop where I really did some damage. And uh, But most of the stuff isn't for me, actually. I have some ideas about how to create an inclusive way to share in this experience with those of you and me, you know, the the meaningfulness of of uh of Augusta and the masters and stuff. So anyway, that's gonna be fun if you can make it through. By the way, I'm sorry it's already ninety minutes. Well, now we're at ninety six. Um oh, so then uh so then someone says I said I was gonna go hit the range and someone says what's your G time? I said eleven. They go, You got fifteen minutes and I was like, uh oh, okay. So the range is pretty far away. I get into a cart. I'd ask the car driver if I can take a picture. He says, no problem. Everyone's so nice. I took a lot of photos. Everyone's really nice. Clearly I'm not supposed to be there, but everyone's very nice. Someone did say nice outfit. I looked at the other guy and I said, was he kidding? And he goes, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever, man. I mean, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to talk about my outfit? I'm okay with it. I wore it. I'm okay with it that's a different thing, you know? So then I get to the driving range and obviously it's beautiful. Um, I meet my caddy. His name's Brian. Brian's about four inches shorter than me. He's probably about 60, maybe 55. Uh, he's got a goatee and sort of tinted glasses that may have been bifocals. He wears obviously the whites, but over his whites or under his whites, he has a white, uh, hooded raincoat. Very smart. And he's also got some type of space pants that are making his legs look super wide. Um, and, um, and he's got his Masters, his Augusta caddy hat with his name tag on the left side. Um, important to note that Brian is not a nice person. <laughs> Someone did ask him on Instagram, what's it like to play with a caddy? And I, I wanted to get into that later. Um, what did I have it written down here? They said, uh, look at me all prepared with notes. Um, well, I guess I didn't print that one out. <laughs> not so prepared. Um, anyway, Brian, Brian was not nice, but there is an ending to the story that's happy. Brian and I became very close and I think we made each other laugh at some point. But anyway, he's a a little salty on the first tee. You know, I can imagine this day is might, might be kind of annoying if you, if you, if you skew towards the negative a day like Monday, where all these kind of yahoos from all over the world who can't play golf are, you know, just ripping up your course and taking photos and asking you to be a photographer. Yeah, that might be kind of annoying, but I was determined so on the range, I basically just hit, uh, every other club in my bag four times. And I asked Brian to call out shots and he did. And for the most part, I hit the shots. Um, I learned that, uh, the, the drive off the tee today was going to be a cut. So, um, I just, I just was like, all right, I'll play a cut. Brian bestowed upon me one of the nicest compliments a caddy can give to a player upon first meeting them. He said, hang I got some water. I'm already punched, man. I can't wait for those cookies. I'm already thinking I'm actually hungry. Is it bad to eat cookies when you're hungry? Hmm. That's some spring water. This is actually water from the 16th pond. I took it. Tastes a little bit like beer. (laughs) Um, yeah. So we, uh, so he says to me, sorry, the mic's moving here. My whole situation's all fucked up. So we, uh, so he looks at my swing, you know, I'm swinging it. And as soon as I pull out the three wood, I'm almost done. He goes, Did you play college golf or something. And I was like, buddy, when you see my short game, you will definitely regret asking me that question. And, um, but it was a compliment. And nonetheless, we get moving. I realized that, uh, I forgot something in the locker room. It's 10:55. My tee time's in five minutes. So I have to go to the locker room, but I'm not stressed. You know, they told me I was a member for a day. So, I'm all good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I paid my dues. And so I go to the locker room, put my stuff away and then walk out to the first tee. And who do I see? I see a friend of mine that I didn't know would be there. My friend is named Mark Russell and he's a PGA tour rules official. And if you've ever seen a ruling, you know, like a weird ruling issue at a, at a PGA tour event, he's the one who's walking up and he's on the microphone and he's sort of, you know, they do, they take, they take the the um, walkie-talkie, you know, and they use the antenna of the walkie-talkie to point to a spot, like as though it's the scene of a crime or a murder. Mark Russell is that guy. He he's also shares the duties with another guy named Slugger White, whom he jokes that everyone thinks he is. He's, Mark has a great sense of humor. Mark has wavy hair. He's a bit overweight. Wonderful guy. Happiness beyond all people that I know. He's a solid guy, you know, and um, great smile, great laugh, great voice. I could not going to do an impression of his voice, but he should be on the podcast soon. And, um, we spent a lot of time together just shooting the shit. Mark's the kind of guy that I would think wouldn't like me at first, but then after a moment, he's just so wonderful, you know, and you just realize, Oh wow, we've got everything in common. So Mark says, well, what are you doing here? You know, I was like, I'm playing golf. I won the lottery. And he's like, that's amazing. And I'm like, come watch the tee shot. Come on. So he walks over to- he was just walking off 18. He had played probably with, you know, who knows? Some legends of the game. And so uh, he walks through the first tee. We kind of jabber, jabber. There's about 15 people on the first tee. Again, it's overcast, it's mystical. The first tee, you can kind of see down throughout the rest of the course where the old driving range was. You can see the seventh green, the third green. I'm sorry, the second green, and the seventh green. Um, you know, you can see the main scoreboard, you can see the clubhouse. It's, it's really one of the better places on the course, probably intentionally designed that way and, um, there's a few people there welcoming us. There's a photographer saying hello. There's people that worked in the media center that that you know were sort of wishing us well and some of the some of the women there the, the the in fact, the lady that told me that I was in was like, "Good to see you?" you know and others that didn't know were like, "Oh, yeah, good to see you. so happy for you and um and then basically, it just happened like like there was there was an overarching interest in speed of play, which didn't bother me. You know, I don't, a golf round doesn't need to be five hours to enjoy it. Um, I don't even remember when we walked off, but I'm assuming it's a little over four hours. And, um, yeah, I was the last to tee off, I guess. I don't know why. I guess I just was fascinated and I wasn't in a hurry. I was kind of joking around. I was asking if my yellow ball was okay. You know, is that against the rules? They, they joked and said, yes, you can't play with a yellow ball. And I, my eyes bulged because that's all I had plays Augusta with the yellow ball, <laughs> this guy right here, purple, a uh, pink hat, orange shirt, pink pants, yellow ball. I mean, come on a tradition. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Um, so then everyone tees off. Uh, no one's in the fairway. My man, Tom is left. Uh, Brian's left. And Andreas is about a hundred yards in front of the tee. And I'm. I got the club in my hand. I got the ball on the ground. I get a tee from Brian. I know I'm going to hit a cut. I am not nervous. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> not at all. And I mean, I know what it's like to be nervous. You know, with Katsuhiro Miura, I was just in Japan. He was watching me hit seven irons into a net, ter- terrified. Sixteenth uh, hole at TPC you know i played in the pro am on wednesday 15,000 people listening I'm um, sorry 15,000 people yelling i hit the green you know terrified shaking first hole at augusta i was literally like cakewalk i throttled the three wood uh, sorry i throttled the driver member teeth, so it's about 6700 yards um yeah so i i hit a drive it goes right up right up the uh left side of the fairway curls back to right center of the fairway i'm about 20 yards past the bunker um it felt like I hit it 285 and in actuality it was 260, but uphill into the wind, square shot, no problem. Um, and we're off, right? We start walking. You know, the overall thing about the round is that it wasn't as emotional as I have been for the past, uh, you know, two hours on this podcast. You know, the emotional part has almost been the surroundings of the round and the the feelings of merely being chosen. The round itself was incredible, but it wasn't emotional. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I don't even quite understand that myself, you know, but I definitely wasn't walking around like in tears or like, you know, not able to talk or anything like that. Like it, it was all, it was almost like the, the, the first part of this podcast relating to the future memory or the impossibility of being chosen in the first place. Um, that, that was much more emotional. Whereas on the golf course, I was really just there to play golf. Um, and play golf I did. We'll continue on. We get to the ball, all my other mates have hit, um, and I'm the last one to hit, and um Brian's like, You got one twenty two into the wind, wet air. I'm gonna say it's playing one thirty. I was like, Great, pitching wedge, let's do this. Without really even lining up, I kind of straddle up to the ball, put my coffee down right next to it, and I say to the guys, the seven guys with me, the four caddies and the uh, three players, I say, Guys, this is gonna be a really good shot. And, uh, yeah, just pured it, just flight, everything, pitching wedge, you know, a little baby cut about five feet from the pin. It rests back on earth. And, um, and that's when I got nervous (laughs) because now I had to make a putt. (laughs) I am so great off the tee and I am so bad at the hole. Um, not really, but you know, I mean, it's, my strength is not short game. My strength is definitely... You know, hanging out on the tee and just hitting big shots, but not really so much the delicacies of the game. Um, yeah, so we walk up to the tee. Uh, you know, I take some photos. I'm just, you know, it's 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 spitting out rain, so I have to keep, like, wiping the lens on my camera with my shirt. Um, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to put on rain gear. I was not going to give in. Everyone else had rain gear on. I was like, I hate rain gear, and I'm not going to wear it. You know, because rain gear, like, makes all that weird noise when you're walking around. And I'm going to put the mic in my lap. How's that? I feel like I need another drink of water. Water. So the rain gear, I hate the rain gear. I don't know. So I was like, I'm not going to wear it. I didn't even bring it with me. Um. So I'm getting wet. <laughs> I'm getting very wet. And so is my camera. Um, second tee, obviously, it's a little downhill. Par five moves to the left. Uh, I take my line at the bunker. I kind of push it. And, um, but it's a great shot. I'm in the clear, but I got to, the problem is when I get up to my ball, I've got to keep my second shot low. I can't really go for the green and I'm like in some wet, uh, uh, secondary, if you will. I believe that coin, this term was coined by Augusta, um, by the masters. So I hit a four iron easy shot. Just kind of, you know, just put it down there. Um, then I've got a, uh, well, I have like a, I take a sandwich because I don't carry a 63 degree. I'm only playing with 10 clubs. All right. I've got a four iron, a six iron, an eight iron, a nine iron, a pitching wedge, a gap wedge, a sand wedge, a driver, a three wood, and a putter. All different brands. Whoever gives me free stuff is what I put in my bag. Um, so then, uh, so then I get down to the ball. I got about, uh, I want to say it was like, I think it was uh, 60, 60 yards, but he said it was playing 70. Uh, I hit a good shot, a little half sand wedge there, a uh, pretty clean, even line, and um, it was just a little bit right, and you know, the Sunday pin is all the way on the right, and that was kind of the overarching miss for me of the day. Everything was a little bit right, which is fine. I mean, I was coming, I was getting a nice inside club path. I just wasn't closing the face because I didn't really want to hit a hook. Um, I just should have been doing like a Bubba aim and just aimed way left. Obviously he's aiming way right, but you know, I should have just been aiming left edge of the green and then I would have been cutting it off the center of the green, you know? Um, but you know, later as we get into aim and corner, we can, we can detail those shots. Um, so, so yeah, I missed the green and then I got a putt, um, Wait, did I tell you I made the putt on one? Yeah, I did. So I'm one under on the second tee. And the joke was, okay, I'm going to see you guys later. I'm leaving. Um, so then I so then put it off the edge of the green, which I hate doing, but the pin is so close I can't really chip it. I put it. It barely gets on the green. My second putt, you know, it's a little downhill to the left. And, um, yeah, I missed by like a cup. So then tap in for bogey. Even par. Um, third hole. I hit a bad tee shot. Driver my driver is basically where my shot was on the second hole. It's like, it's like around the bunker on number two. And Brian's like, my man, it's your lucky day. You have a gap of the ages, right? And there is literally a gap. It's there's a hole in the trees. That's probably about the size of a car. And it is at the right height for a nice eight iron. And I'm about, he said one fifty six in. Um, and somehow he's like, that's the line. I was like, I thought the line, I thought the, the pin was further to the right. In fact, the line was actually further to the left. Um I had a perfect eight iron, went right through the gap and I'm basically on the back side of the green, line 2 and the problem is is I was on the back side of the green but the green pinches in between me and the hole. So like he wanted me to putt out way to the left and hope that it breaks and I was like no man, I'm going to chip it this time cuz I don't I'm like I don't want to putt like for sixty feet. I'd rather just chip it. So I chip it and it's a great chip, but I miss the putt. You know, and I mean like you know me. I'm not like the guy that's stressing about making little putts at Augusta National. You know what I mean? Sure I wanted to make it. But I'm one over on the fourth hole. All good, right? Fourth hole, uh part three, it's um it's playing one seventy seven and um it's a little bit downhill. But the air's heavy, so I'm thinking I'm going to make an easy six. I don't own a seven iron. I mean, I could have maybe just like literally rifled a seven iron with a, with a bit of a draw, which would have been nice. But I don't own a seven iron, so um, I had to use my six. And this was kind of the demise of the day for me was this particular mistake of trying to hit a weak six and not really having that shot. I don't have that shot. I really don't. I need to come clean. So I'm like, all right, I hit a week, six, cut, and I do, and it just overcuts, and I'm in the bunker. No big deal. Ironically, on the third green, I was thinking, hmm, am I ever going to get to feel the sand? Well, time would tell. So um, I feel like this is boring. I can't tell if this is boring for you or not. I'm going to incorporate some other stories right now. Um, So anyway, I I, I settle into the bunker. I hit a sand wedge out. It's a little long. Brian tells me that's the only shot we had. No problem. I lip out for par. Tap in for birdie. Bogey. Um, Okay, let's see. I got some other shit we can talk about here. Let's see. So now we're four holes in. We are, well, I'll do my tee shot on five. And then we are almost, we're we're a third, a quarter of the way through. So five is a, um, it's a, uh, I can't tell if it's a long par four. I don't, I don't think it is. I want to say it's like four twenty. Um, he says TV tower, TV towers, like the line all day long off the tee. And I'm like, are you lazy or is this just actually the line? Like, that's really bizarre. Um, yeah. So I'm feeling like my game's got a whole gotten away from me because I've gone birdie bogey, 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 and each bogey had a different symptom, right? Uh, two were from the tee shot. One was from a chip and one was from a putt. You know what I mean? That's four bogeys, but I know, I know how to do math. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stay completely still. Brian tells me that my tempo is getting a little fast and, um, which I always appreciate hearing. And, um, so I just wait on it and I hit a nice butter cut right off the right side of the, uh, left fairway bunker. And it falls right on the TV tower. Like not, (laughs) I don't hit the TV tower, but it's online and I'm feeling really good about it. And then we'll come back to golf. Let's see what else we got. Maybe I don't have anything. Oh, Brian. So Brian does this thing where he like groans, but he's like, but he's like not groaning. It's almost like he's having like soft sex while he's walking all day long, all day long. He's just groaning. Uh, uh, It was so weird. I didn't really acknowledge it verbally to anyone else. Um, yeah, I, um, It's funny because I've had time to look at all the photos I took. I took so many photos. In fact, one of the ways I want to do the contest around the gear is if you can guess within a hundred, if you can guess within 50 photos, how many photos I actually took, I'll send you something. Um, Do it on one of the Instagrams or whatever. Maybe I'll do a post about it actually. You'll know when. Um, But after looking at all the photos, I realized uh, something very visual about the golf course that you see when you're there, but, it's not as easy because it's 3D. So in two dimensions, comparing what happened and what I saw and what it is, you realize just how massive the bunkers are and how big the greens are. Um, you know, they are, and they're all very like almost shapeless, you know, with the exception of like the 10th fairway bunker. Like they're all relatively simple edges and they just make the humans that inhabit the space very small. The fairways are huge. Um, you know, and most of the bunkers kind of like, they just sort of like hang out by the greens. I don't know. And even, and even they're so deep there, some of them are 10, 15 feet deep. They don't look that way. You know what I mean? Um, and I think in some ways, some senses, some of the bunkers may even equal the same surface area as the green itself, which I think is kind of unusual, but I could be wrong. Um, and I think what also happens when the, when the, when the bunker, mouths and edges are so simple we get to kind of see the very subtle gradations in the in the surface of the green which is which is really i don't know i i don't i don't think i've seen it that many times <sighs> okay um most of the first part of the round i'm kind of focused on photographing it and making sure i get a lot of good photos um Oh my God. My dad and I had the best conversation afterwards. It was unbelievable. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Um, okay. Let's continue on. Where are we at? 26 minutes. We're, we're, we're on pace. Um, all right. So fifth hole approach. I have a one, uh, 162 pin is in the back. So I'm like, I'll take an eight and I'll air on the short side. I pull it a little bit and I turn it over a tad. So I'm pin high, but about 30 feet away and I'm downhill down grain. So he says right edge of the cup and I almost make it. And I'm like, dude, what a good read, you know? And he's like, I don't give reads. I remember them. And I was like, whoa, um, then we're on the next hole, the sixth hole, which is the, uh, second par three. This one got me. This one got me. Uh, I, I shouldn't have hit my shot, but the guys walking up from the group behind, like walked on the tee as I was like at address and they were walking, they were fully walking. I should have stopped. But I didn't, I swang and I like just hit it a little fat and it went in the front bunker. The pin is in the back, right? I've got so much work to do to get there. I can't, I I hit it, it spun back off the green. I chipped it, I got it up there. I two putted, I double bogeyed. Um, That was frustrating, you know, it was like, that's on me. You know, I should have known better. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have hit the shot. Um, More water. How's it going so far? Can you guys believe it? I can't believe it. Being home, weirdest feeling ever. I'm not even thirsty. It's just my cyst. My cyst is thirsty. What are we going to name it? We should name the cyst. Sist. Sister Christian? Sister Sistian? <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, yeah, so... Uh, the sixth hole kind of, uh, kind of gets its way with me. Seventh hole. Um, seventh hole is, uh, Seventh hole. Well, the sixth hole was really cool because you kind of walk down this incredible view where you don't really get to see very often. It's this steep hill that you come down off the par three and you get to see the 16th green and the 12th, I'm sorry. And the 15th green, And it's a really wonderful viewpoint up there. I took a lot of photos of all the azaleas up there and all the trees and the water was very still. And at this point it was kind of thinking about stopping raining, but it wasn't in fact. And, um, man, it was really nice. Uh, seventh hole. You know what? Hang on a second. I gotta go get one thing. Sorry. All right. Sorry. I just wanted to grab my scorecard. Just to get the exact yardages. So the scorecard is so chill. It's like the size of two credit cards, very tiny. And there's only uh, two yardages on it. There's member tees which comes first, and then masters tees which comes second. So the me- the master the member tee yardage oh sixty three sixty five, is that right? That's not right though because we didn't have I didn't have one forty five into sixteen. Oh, but the yardages are to the middle of the green, so maybe I did. Hmm, maybe I'm wrong. Master T's are 7435. Increíble. So number seven, 330 uphill with a pretty intense, uh, green. I, um, I hit a drive. It was a nice cut. Very happy. You know, it's like, I think that's one of my things about the day is I did good of job. I did good of job recovering from a drama on previous hole. So it was very nice to be, um, bouncing back as they would say on the, um, PGA tour. And, um, I'm looking for all um, sponsorship or, uh, anyway, um, yeah, I could drive again. I mean, the drivers, the drivers flowing for me all day. And then I have, again, I've got that number one seventy. I would like to have a seven iron here but instead I hit an easy six and I sliced it short of the front right of the green. And, um, then wait, wait, no, I'm confusing 17 and seven, seven. Okay. Seven was, um, right. I'm remembering seven now, seven. I hit a great drive and I had, uh, 60 yards in and, I was all over it. I felt so good about it. Pulled out my sand wedge, just hit an easy shot, and right as soon as I hit it, Brian goes, "Get up." And I was like, "That doesn't need to get up. That needs to get down." Get up to get down. How about James Brown being from Augusta, who knew? Um, sure enough, it was in the bunker. And Brian tells me where to aim, and I hit the best bunker shot of my life. It was he he had me aiming long and left. And the ball just kind of Came back, trickled down, worked its way over there, and I had, I probably had, I don't know, three feet for par, made it. I think that's kind of what sums up the day in a lot of ways for me is great pars, right? Just a lot of great pars, using the golf course, um, making the mistakes that they're expecting you to make. You know, I wasn't playing golf from like, you know, some other country, you know, like, you know, as far as like being on different fairways and things like that, you know, um, I was subject to the um difficulties of the course that it was designed to be played with, you know. Um Mackenzie put a bunker there so that people would go in it. <laughs> you know? Uh if you go in the bunker, it's not a bad thing. It's just oh I'm gonna play golf from here right now. This is the challenge. This is it. Um we thought it was gonna go in. I had enough time. The the, the greens were so slow and the bunker shot was so intricate. I had to play the ball so far away from the hole that I had time to uh, get out of the bunker, clap off my shoes with my wedge, and then run up and almost watch the ball get in the hole. Uh, but it didn't. So then uh, eight, we get on eight, and eight's a wonderful hole. Eight may be my favorite hole. Um, I'll tell you further when we get to the rest of the course. Obviously, there's a very famous... Corners of the golf course that are very special, but eight for me was the most special by far. Eight was almost an epiphany. Um, I learned something about eight about myself on eight that I've already known, but I think I learned it even further today on Monday rather. So we tee off on eight, we get a lot of great photos of everybody. I'm taking photos of everybody, I'm just going nuts. Um, oh my goodness, I forgot to mention this. Uh, so we have four different caddies, we've got uh, Alan. Who, uh, Alan looks like he's in, um, um, what the fuck is the name of that band with the guys with the long hair? Um, (laughs) the guys that go to Sturgis. Alan looks like he's a biker. And, um, and Dick, Dick just looks like the nicest guy ever. They both have gray, white hair, very clear, clean skin, nice eyes. Um, And Drake, Drake is a young dude, African-American. You can tell he's chill. He's got kind of that like SoCal accent where he's like, yeah, man, not like that, but he's just more like, um, you know, he's, he's got a California accent. You know what I'm talking about? Don't make me try to do it. I'm bad at accents. God, leave me alone. Um, and so Drake, I forgot on the second green, Drake goes, where do you live? I was like, California. What about you? He's like Atlanta. He's like, yeah, you seem like a California guy. You seem like you'd be a member at Wilshire. And I was like, do you, do you look at my bag? I have a bag tag from Wilshire. Um, and he's like, uh, I was like, no way. I was like, yeah, yeah, totally. We have tons of friends in common. Um, he saw the vice commercial that I hired his friend, Alton, who is a caddy, also a Wilshire uh, to be in. Alton's this great comedian and he's friends with Alton and he's like, we got to get a photo. So, you know, he's a great guy. And um, that was really funny. So then on eight, on the seventh green I got a great photo of Drake. Um, I was just getting photos of everything. You know what I mean? Um, I just love photography. And so in that way, like it was a really cool way for me to connect to the space and you know, hopefully make it timeless and make it something that I can share with people. I got a great portrait of every, all the caddies and all the players and so many great shots of the golf course, specifically the eighth hole is where I took my best photo. Um, You know, there's parts of the golf course that we're on that you never see, you know, you just never, ever, ever see it. And a lot of times you never see when you turn around, you know, the turning around is a fascinating part of the golf course and sort of walking through life in general. You know, you walk and you walk and you walk and you walk and eighth is a nasty uphill. So you're out of breath. It's a par five. You're wondering, geez, did I hit it far enough? By the way, eight, I had a great tee shot monster, just a monster cut up the hill and I'm thinking, Eagle, let's get these strokes back. Let's go back to two or three over. None of this five over BS. Um, And, uh, you know, I get to my ball, and we've got to wait for the group on the green, and I spend all this time looking backwards, looking back, as I am doing right now, ironically. And um, the view from there is amazing. It's amazing. You see this incredible complex of golf, And what was really special is that, like I said, it wasn't sunny. It was cloudy. So I had this like misty layers of earth unfolding Georgia pines just coming in groups of getting darker and darker and darker as they went off in the distance. And it almost looked like a black and white photo. You know, it almost took all the color out with this very, very cloudy day. Um, and I just took a tremendous amount of photos and then, um, my man, Brian was like, look, three wood. we picked the line. The line was the TV tower again, surprisingly. And, um, I told him I was going to hit a cut and he said, look, man, just keep your head down and don't fall on your back foot. Cause then you'll pull it. And I was like, uh, thanks for putting that in my head. <laughs> Brian was not the most subtle creature. He said, uh, when he told me he was married or no, I said, are you married? He said, not anymore. He said, I'm not going to try that a third time. <laughs> and he said, um, he said, I'm easy to fall in love with, but I'm hard to live with. That's what he said and um man what an interesting guy anyway i hit the shot he asked me to hit i thought i went over the green because i had 220 front edge but the ball was not flying the greens were slow the air was slow nothing was moving so i'm front edge of the green right on line with the flag i hit a really good shot it was i felt really happy about it like it was one of those shots where patrick reed would have twirled or no he wouldn't have twirled he would have like he would have like hit the shot, and then right after he gets to his finish, he would pull the club right back to his abdomen as though he'd been stabbed by a flying golf club. That's what I did, kind of. Instead, I just looked at Brian. I was like, was that good? Um, He never had any answers for that. I mean, we're all just mystery people. We We don't really know anything. To think that someone else has your answer, well, that's the problem. I actually wished I had my own reads that day it took me so long to just repair my own ball mark. Brian was always ahead and he would always fix the ball marks. I did it only on 16 or on uh, 11. Uh, sorry. God, damn 15, 15, I repaired my ball mark. A lot of the greens are, you know, they're very, they share a lot of similarities. I repaired my ball mark and I thought, Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, so we, um, Okay. What, what's going on? Okay, yeah, so eight. I'm on the front edge. I've experienced this wonderful view that's kind of private. I tell Brian, I'm like, this view's amazing. He goes, That's my favorite view on the golf course. And I was like, brothers. <laughs> so then um, so then I chip on uh, chip on eight. It's right online. I thought I was gonna dunk for an Eagle. Instead it went a little bit past. I had a four footer that Brian convinced me was a ball outside. I was certain it was a like just left edge and, uh, you know, ball outside. That's where it stayed as it rolled two feet past the hole. (laughs) So I made what we all agreed would be called a shitty par. And, uh, then ninth tee box. Now I'm sort of, I'm hitting my stride. Oh, I forgot. Seventh tee. Seventh tee. You know, we're back there. um, Right after the par three, the seventh tee is this kind of nice, secluded little area. You feel kind of private. And we all realized that here we were on the seventh tee and that the first six holes were already completed and that the round was now 33% over and that we only had 12 holes to go. And I think it all hit us in a kind of a silent way. So then uh, ninth tee box, I pick a line, which is, um, I pick I pick like sort of left center of the fairway, thinking I'll hit a little tiny cut and the fairway I'll kick it left. Um, instead, I hit a straight pole that was just literally on fire. I mean, that ball, I don't even think I had a label on after I hit it. Um, I had 100 yards in. Ninth hole is 395 from the member tees. So two ninety five. I mean, it's not really as long as I thought it was actually, man. Um, but again, air is really thick. I think it was actually downhill downwind, but whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it was an aggressive line. The ball was right in the middle of the fairway. You know, you got to play your mistakes. And then I, uh, I tell Brian that I want him to get a photo. And you know, Brian is the literally the worst photographer on planet earth. Like every time I'd be like, yeah, we take a photo. It would be like blurry or black. Like the only two make mistakes you can make. Like I would rather you have the horizon wrong or like, I don't know, but like they were blurry or black. And those actually are not photos. They are sort of like mistakes. No, I just said something good about mistakes. Um, so anyway, at nine, I was like, oh, I take a cool photo here. And I was so involved in teaching him how to take the photo that I, I hit it like a groove low and the ball was long, Right. Uh, from 110, and I had a hard chip that I did successfully, but again, just missed the five footer I had coming back. I mean, again, like I played really well. The first nine was successful. Um, I walked onto the 10th tee with six over 42. Par, bo- uh, sorry, birdie, bogey, 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 par, double, par, par, single. Did I do my score right? That's minus one, even, plus one, plus two, three plus four, five plus six. Yeah. 42. Uh, but you know, I felt great. Um, I felt really good about it. Let's see if I have anything else before I go up and bake these cookies. I'm so excited for the cookies. I'm so hungry. Um, I think I'm going to have to go through all these notes together at the end. Um, maybe especially because I'll have my cookie with me. Yeah. Okay. I am going to take a break, but you will experience it as no time has passed. Fascinating. Okay. Bye. Oh, we come up with a new way to end the podcast. What do you think of this? I'm Eric and I'll see you on the T. That's so cheesy. I can't do that. What should it be? Yeah. We can't think about that. All right. Bye. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy. And we have a podcast called Dumb People Town, where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, thank you, everybody. I needed a little break. Mm. Man, there's nothing like the second cup of coffee. And I brought down a plate of... uh, How many paleo cookies do you think I have on this plate? So good. Reminds me of that Will Ferrell in old school when he's like... When he hasn't drank alcohol in so long. And he's like, it's so good when it hits your lips. Um, I have a plate of three three cookies you know it takes a long time though you know you gotta you gotta make the batter and then you know mix it together and then you gotta let it cool like I said in the recipe 45 minutes there's a better volume there 45 minutes and then um, you know you gotta get it out put it in a little balls my balls the, the balls I made were a little too big today and all the cookies started to uh, you know <laughs> I was gonna use a different word rub up against each other. Uh, there's some big cookies, though, which is fine. I will take it. Um, you know, and then the coffee takes forever to make, and that's just filled with caffeine. So I'm excited to see how this second nine of the podcast goes, how different it will be. Um, oh, I did not bring a napkin. Should I wipe my chocolatey lips on my aggressively National scorecard? Probably not. Um... All right. Whoa. That was a good bite. I put in extra chocolate chips today. Um, oh yeah. So if you're curious, I don't know if, I don't know if you, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm going to post some photos of the things I'm talking about in the story, in the Insta story today. I'm really like, so I'll probably post it like, uh, hmm, I might post it tonight. And then you can look at it tomorrow. This is Wednesday. I already said that. It's it's only, I don't know, it took me a while to do this, the cookies and stuff. But anyway, I'm back. I want to chug this coffee and slam these cookies because it took so long to make, you know? I mean, it's like fun. Like I like that stuff where it's like it takes you a long time to make it and then you just slam it down. I eat like a, like a f- rabid dog, you know? I actually was on the plane yesterday and they served a meal. And the guy next to me was like clearly, you know, he was, he had like a, he was the normal kind of guy, you know, that sits uh, in that seat, you know, and he's got the collared shirt and he's got a PC and not against PCs, you know, but he's uh, working and he's very normal and I get my food and I just like, I'm doing bread with butter and then I put the chicken on top of it and I took a mouthful of rice. It's too hot. I almost choke, and then I just swig some water. Two minutes later, I'm done with the entire meal. He's still working on it for like 10 minutes. Okay, 10th tee box. You ready? 42 on the front. 10th tee box. I'm thinking, all right, I got some opportunities here. I'd like to come in. 79 would be great. 79 would be great. That means that I only can go one more bogey. (laughs) That didn't happen. Uh, But what did happen is... Oh, on the 10th tea box, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a snack cart. I didn't ask if it's always like that, but there is. And it's this nice old guy and he goes, help yourself to whatever you want. And then I, I bought a, I got a bunch of stuff, coffee, obviously. I had five cups of coffee yesterday while traveling back to LA. And I was like, is something wrong with me? And then I was like. I was like, if there's something wrong with me, I don't want it to be right. I had so much coffee. I was exhausted. As soon as I got done and, like, went to my parents' house and then laid down, I was so tired. It's been such an incredibly high-energy week that – and then to end with, like, this just insane experience was, like, too much. Like, I I, I wouldn't have been surprised if I was just walking along and my hand fell off. Like, it was so – it was so 11. You know I mean? It was just all it was. It was like one step above anything I've ever done. Um, okay. You know, in Japan, they slurp their uh, ramen and their um, miso soup. It's considered rude not to. Go figure. Culture. Culture. So 10th tea. I got my coffee. Oh, and the guy's like, yeah, it's like whatever. He names it a dollar amount, and I was like, oh, I don't have any money. And he's like, no problem. And I was like, "So weird, Like, why is it just no problem? <laughs> um, so um, so I picked my line on ten. I'm thinking right center of the fairway. No, 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 I was thinking left I was thinking left edge of the fairway with a cut. I blocked it straight shot, headed to like the right edge of the fairway. Did I say right edge? I meant left edge originally. I was aiming left edge of the fairway with a nice cut, thinking it would just kind of bank into the slope and then roll down. Instead, I blocked it, and it was a straight shot directly at the right edge of the fairway. I was about, I was about like five feet into the rough, and I had an eight iron in. I was about one. The pin was, uh, you know, leftish, centerish, kind of like middle actually. And I had my 8-iron, and I was thinking, you know, just an easy shot. Don't kind of hit it too hard. No spin out of the rough, so it'll just kind of cozy up there. And again, I did the thing that I did on 9 with my approach where I asked Brian to take another photo because he was just – what's the opposite of when you crush the game? He was, like, getting crushed. The game was crushing him. <laughs> the photography game was definitely crushing Brian. So I just kept, like, asking him. I was like, do you take a photo here do you take a photo there? And I set up my phone to my um, my camera to do, like, burst mode. So that he could just sort of just stand there and not think, but still somehow he, he messed it up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I kind of got caught up with that and then I pulled my approach and I ended up down in that little like area there, the collection area, like, like left, like pin high, but left. I mean, then the, the green is like 30 feet above my head and I had a nice tight lie and I was like, Brian flop shot, you know? And he was like, I don't think so. I think if you just get it up there, it'll, it'll, it'll work. Okay. Um I hit a really great flash shot. You know, you know not a flash shot. I hit a really great chip. You know how sometimes you hit those chips where you can just feel the ball like high-fiving the grooves, you know? It was one of those. The ball got up there. I had no idea where it is. 10 footer. Uh I was a I pulled it a little bit. So I had 10 feet kind of come in um kind of uh it was a little bit it was a little bit I want to say downhill and it broke about a foot and a half. The reason why I remember all that is because I sank it for par. Feeling good. Yeah, coffee in my system. That's good. I should have just done this at the first thing. No, but I, the first one I didn't have, I, I wanted to get started. And the cookie process is like, you know, quite long. Um, So 11 C box. I really wanted to play from the pro tees because that's like 100 yards further back. And it's really beautiful, you know. A lot of times when you're out there, if you're not playing for score, which I rarely do, it's fun to play from the tips because you see something different. You know, you see a different viewpoint, which I'll get back to when I walk up to 18 for my walk up to my um, the final green. You know, that happened to me again. The, the sort of perspective and viewpoint, and you know, this is all in this. Um, I wrote a cool article for Golf Digest. It's it's more of like photo essay, but um, the thing that was really grabbing me was all the perspective and the people, the visual perspective of the golf course itself compared to golfers and patrons. But even the journalistic perspective that's shifted by the people that tell you the story of the Masters. And you know, I had such a profound experience being able to tour the media center, thanks to Golf Digest and Ashley Mayo, who's just such good people. Um, so anyway. We went to look at the 11th tee back when Ashley and I were walking around. So I wanted to play from the 11th, but they were like, "No, the caddies were not feeling it." Um, who knows why? You know, maybe they didn't want to walk an extra 200 yards. Can I blame you? Um, I had asked Brian how many rounds he had he had walked here, and he didn't know. He had to do the math. He said, "Well, ten, twelve years, 100 rounds a year, twenty thousand holes, something like that." We figured out. He had actually trained the other three caddies that were with us. Um, so we played the member tee on 11. Um, again, I was thinking cut up the center, and maybe it would land on the right side. Instead, it was just another pull. Um, so I was pull, push, pull. And then what happened? <laughs> Easy, all right? Just give me a break. I'm, just, I'm one cookie in, half coffee down. I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm in my living, my bedroom. I'm in my bedroom because my uh, people don't work in my uh, office. Can't have anybody listening to me while I'm listening. That'd be weird to have someone listening to it while I'm doing it. Because I'm, I don't know. I make weird faces. Um, but can you believe this? I cannot believe we're here talking about this. Um, so I pull it? Um I think it's in the woods, but miraculously. Brian finds it. And I said to him, I said, Look, you don't fuck with me, are you? You didn't just pull a ball out of my bag, do you? He said, No. So I believe him, you know. Um, so yeah, so it was a really good drive though. It was it was like it wasn't even the biggest pull, it was just a little bit more of a draw and then it got a left kick. So I had, uh, I want to say I had 130, 131-ish. So I got my pitching wedge. I'm feeling super confident right now because that ball, my ball is not going to go left of the left pin. I know it. So um, I just open up the club, pitching wedge, and just take a good old rip at it. And it's a great shot. Just sort of uh, a little bit right of the flag, pin high, and um, a little bit right. I mean, probably it's probably about fifteen to twenty feet actually. So it's not it's not like very close. But I mean, you can't get close to that flag. You, you would be an idiot to aim at it. Um, they call that a sucker pin, and I'm no sucker. Um, sorry, what's that? Yes. All right. So then, uh, so then I get up to the ball, and here's the thing. I mean. We're talking about the 11th hole right now. That's a big hole, you know? That's the beginning of a phenomenon. That's the beginning of the first almost celebrity sighting on the golf course. We're now officially in Amen Corner. And that's when it got a little weird. Um... Sorry, I gotta eat the cookie. It benefits all of us. I promise. Um, <laughs> Snowball's just asleep. He's been sleeping all day, so he did something. I don't know. He's probably really stressed. I don't think he likes it when I leave. I didn't bring him because on trips like that, I don't have the, I don't have like the flexibility in my schedule or the places that I'm going to really bring him. But like on a normal trip. I could bring him. I was trying to bring him to Japan, but they were like... The Japanese producer was like, "Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. He he was right. Um, Okay. Hmm? I got one cookie left. I'll save that for 18. It's the beginning of Amen Corner. The interesting thing about Amen Corner is that all the spectators are isolated on one side of the viewpoint. And so you're almost looking at like a diorama. It's almost like literally a stage. You know, because you've got all the play is happening in one direction. Great band. I'm kidding. Okay, now I'm leaning back. (sighs) <sighs> yeah, everything happens out there, you know, in in one area, you know, so it really is like a stage, like you've got this, uh, you got this multiple dramatic storylines just passing through you. Never thought of it like that. And when you walk down the 11th fairway, the vantage point is very different of what's about to happen. So you see the 11th green and... You know, from where the patrons stand, it looks like the 12th green is to the right of the 11th green. But when you walked on the fairway, the 12th green is directly behind the 11th green. So they kind of stack up on top of each other. And there's this like really interesting um, layering effect. And then to the right, you know, they had been so gracious, uh, Augusta National and the Masters, to take down the ropes the day before. So it was very open. The amount of openness was very shocking all over the course especially visible from the eighth fairway where I looked back down and Brian and I noted to each other that this was our favorite spot on the course and that we were indeed brothers. So, you know, when you come around on 12, I had to, the, I hit the we, as we, as we sort of come over the crest of the 11th fairway and make your way down into it it, it, it begins to vibrate a little bit, right? Um, almost like it did coming up Magnolia lane. You know, there was a similar level of intensity of, I don't want to miss this. And I took out my camera. My camera's around my neck most of the time. And I took my camera started taking a bunch of photos. And it was interesting, you know. Eleven, I three-putted because, um, you know, the greens were pretty slow. It was raining. It had stopped raining by this time, but it had rained for, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours. And they didn't mow or roll the greens. And, you know, I'm used to playing pretty quick greens. So I would, um, I think something just fell in a closet. Who knows if a suitcase falls in a closet, but no one was there to hear it. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was very surreal walking up there and, oh yeah, the three pot. <laughs> I, my first pot, I had like 10 feet left. Actually, it was up the hill. I just totally, totally didn't hit it. And Brian says to me, I'm only supposed to read these once. I was like, well, you're going to, you're going to be reading a lot of them more than once. So, yeah, used to it. I've only got so many holes left. And this is about the time Brian and I really started to get along and have fun. You know, he, he really wanted me to play well and have fun. And I told him, look, those they're, aren't they're the same things. Now, for me, at least, I don't care, man. I don't care. I literally don't care. I'm sure I could have shot a 79 if I had been a little bit more focused or if I had, you know, practiced my swing prior more than seven minutes. Um, you know, I tapped in for bogey and then, um, and then here's, here's, so then we walk up to 12 and there's a group on the green and, you know, we're all just like moved into silence, right? Here we are. Here's this moment. We're here. We've been looking forward to this. Now we're here. It may never, ever, ever come back. This is it. You know, and I mean, on some level here I am now, why am I even doing this podcast? Well, it's because we all think that I've been to the promised land and I have something of wisdom to offer or some type of scoop. And that's totally true in some weird way. That's very true. And so I'm on the 12th tee and um, I'm just soaking it all in. But something occurs to me. I've seen this. I've seen this, right? This shot. I've stood here many, many times. I've basically almost stood on the tee. my, you know, this is the first place I go to. It's so beautiful. All of the different kinds of shrubs and bushes that make up the background, all of the incredibly tall trees and the grass and the, the architecture and the bridges and the sky. It's all the perfect temperature and it's getting warmer and the rain is stopping we're on the 12th tee and I'm reflecting. It's not terribly emotional though. Again, like it's kind of the whole round has just been like, I'm here to play golf. It's not, I'm not, I don't want to do anything too unusual. You know, I want to, I want to just do what I normally do, which is have fun, play golf, admire good shots, be frustrated with bad shots and let that go. So yeah, so we're on the 12th tee and, then it's our turn. One forty seven downhill no wind. I hit a nine iron. Aiming at the center of the green hoping it should cut a little bit. Um it does not uh do that uh really at all. In fact it um it is a weird shot. I flushed it. I mean, it was a pure nine iron that would travel 147 yards. Unfortunately, um, remember early when I said my miss was sort of right going right. That's uh, that's what happened. And the thing is, when it came down and landed, there was actually uh, water right there. And so, when the ball <laughs> when the ball returned to earth. Due to forces of gravity, uh, it made a large and um, relatively embarrassing splash. And I thought, okay, well, I had three goals today. One of them was to birdie 12. That is impossible <laughs> for right now. Um, but I didn't really care. I, I hit a really flush shot and I sort of chuckled, you know, because, well, what is the memory anyway? I mean, if the story is interesting, what, who cares? You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's like, it's like what, it's like, you know, let's zoom out a second. Why do we do it? Right. Is it, what do we, are we, do we actually care about the number? I don't know. So we walk out, Brian throws me a ball. The next one I have is a magenta ball, bright red, the brightest red. It ironically matches my outfit perfectly. We drop it and I've got 50 yards. Easy shot. Easy shot. I got this shot. I know it. And, um, take a sip of water. There were, there were coolers on every tea box. So I would get water on every tea. I was very well hydrated. I must've pissed on like eight trees and, um, I pull out my sandwich and I'm feeling really good about it. Back in my stance take the swing and um, it's uh, it's a full on shank. Actually, I shanked it <laughs> like literally towards the uh, 13th tee <clears throat> and I'm twice as close to the 12th green. Um, yeah. So that got, so that was a shank and that went in the water as well. <laughs> and that was funny. Um, I was a little disappointed. That's when I started to get kind of bummed because I was like, ooh, I actually had a chance to maybe go do something here. And uh, But then i chip it up and make the putt. Fine. Congratulations. My, ne- yeah, my next shot was great. It was fine. It was like five feet. Didn't care. Sank the putt. No break inside the hole. And then I just sort of walked over to the 13th tee and inhaled a little bit, exhaled, kind of pondered the ridiculousness of, doing exactly what I did in Thailand at the replica 12th hole that I played in Adventures in Golf. They had a replica of Augusta National. And I walked up to the tee and I said, well, I'm not going to do a Jordan Spieth here. So now I've um, successfully done, I've played Augusta twice. (laughs) And I've made a six on uh, the 12th hole twice. So uh, that's a triple. And I was hoping for uh, less. I was hoping for uh, a two. Um, so then the magical beauty of crossing that bridge happened. Um, but again, for me, it's one of these things where, you know, when I travel, I don't like the the big things. I like the small things. You know, if I got to Rome, I'm not going to go to the Vatican right away. In fact, I might never go. I might drive through it on my way to somewhere else more intimate. Um, you know, for me, the, the, the more, the more popular spots just typically don't do it for me. And maybe that's just because I'm like, um, I I don't know why. I I think it's because I, I, um, it's hard to sometimes connect with people in such a busy place, but that's not it really. I mean, I think for me, I kind of crave an element of being able to be curious and then being able to uncover, right? Um, You know, at the Grand Canyon, I would probably enjoy going to like the, uh, um, you know, maintenance shed that has a sort of a weird minor view of the Grand Canyon rather than the main spot. Um, You know, I think that there's some intelligence there that I'm not, I don't really understand yet. I mean, in a sense, that's adventures in golf. You know, we go to the weird, the unpopular, the strange, and we meet the people there. And there's no people on the holes of Augusta National, but there are, I don't know, subtle stories that sort of, I don't know, become more personal to me in a sense, Um, because it's like, that's like, I don't know. 13th tee, uh, driver, I'm thinking straight shot, maybe a little cut right up there at the bunch of pines, kind of where Phil was at. And I take a really comfortable swing. I'm just feeling great. Um, and I hit the ball sweet as can be never see it, never, ever saw it. And everyone in the group says, great shot. Oh, wow. Great shot, man. And my caddy Brian comes over and says, I don't know, man, that was good, but it might, it might be. Maybe be too good. So it was a, it was a draw that started left of my target. So it was a bit of a pull draw that, uh, we weren't sure whether or not it would have hit one of those branches or potentially rolled, gotten a bounce and rolled down into them. I don't, I don't think that's Ray's Creek. I think that's a tributary of Ray's Creek, but, uh, but anyway, we weren't sure, but I'm still a bit like, feeling abused from 12, you know, such a simple hole. And I really just wanted it. You know, the truth is though, I would rather, um, hit the green on 16 at Scottsdale and then do a Jordan Spieth on 12 at Augusta to really get into the experience of being a PGA tour player. And then we had a joke going like, what if I tried to play a famous course, like maybe, you know, the old course, and I would try to play each hole at or worse than the recorded worst score in a tournament at that course. So, like, you know, Ernie has got a 10 on number one at Augusta. You know, beat that. Uh, Spieth got a, you know, a six. You know, whatever. It's just, you know, uh, Garcia got his, I can't remember what he shot on the hole, but, you know, with the water. Um, so, anyway, moving slowly, walking off the tee, saying goodbye to Amen Corner. I, I walked backwards um, and just faced away. Faced faced back at the, what we were leaving the twelfth green and the thirteenth tee and the eleventh green, the twelfth tee, all the wonderful trees and bridges, and took photographs facing that way. I got a really good a couple of photos there, and then I walked up along the creek and sort of didn't really even care where my ball was. Nor- normally, and I'm very urgently looking for the colored ball that I play. That's the only reason I play a colored ball, so I can just easily see which one's mine. I hate the whole like, is this one mine? Is that one mine? Well, what are you playing? You? Play- oh, yeah. I think I'm playing that ball. No, I'm playing that ball. No, I'm playing a ball that is not the same color. So there's, it's only there's not your ball. I can't because I'm just so impatient. I can't handle it. So, uh so I'm walking up the the little creek there, the little tributary of Race Creek, and Brian's standing there, staring up at the tree as though he's pondering his own size and mortality. But in fact, he was just looking for a hawk. I asked him what his favorite moment was on the course. And he had, he had one answer and he quickly followed it up with a different one. Um, I asked him this on uh, 14 actually. So I'm jumping ahead. So what was your favorite moment on the course? And he said, well, there was one day where right here on the 13th tee on the 13th green, right there, over there, it's pointing backwards because we're on 14 right there, that flagpole had sitting on top of it a juvenile red-tailed hawk. And I was like, what what did you just say? There was a bird on the flagpole, and that's your best moment at Augusta National? I laughed a little bit to myself, and then I was like, no. He's being earnest. Like, respect that, you know? Respect that concept. And so I tried to respect it, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, I wouldn't, I guess if a bird sat on the black pole, I'd be pretty blown away, but I would think that it'd be a different thing. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't really care about golf. I don't know. But then he quickly said, well, you know, the other one is if you, if you play on Sunday and if you go off the 10th hole in the morning, you hear the church bells. And he said, and you know, that gets my, my nether regions tingling. And at first I was like, is he referring to, what is he referring to? <laughs> but I think he just meant that he feels something a little bit more than golf. On the 11th green, I asked, uh, Alan, the, the biker caddy from, um, ZZ top. I said, Alan, what do you ever get? Does it ever hit you here? We already am in corner. Does it ever hit you? And he sort of squinted and he said, well, yeah, sure if I've had a few drinks <laughs> and I was just like, you know, that's all this is, you know, we make a big deal out of it. They don't, we make a big deal out of it. It's hard to be grateful for things that have, it's easy to want things for things we don't. So then, but then, yeah, the church bells. So I, I could imagine that being really beautiful. So then, um, so then 13, we've, so then Brian's standing on the look up at the tree looking for maybe another juvenile red tailed hawk. I can't even, I haven't Googled it yet. I don't know what it looks like. But, uh, but he says, I get close and he says, give me your camera. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, here, stand there. No one ever gets this photo. This is a great photo. And it was cool to see him getting into the photography of it all, you know? We were all soaking wet. But just going fun, having good times. And then he takes the photo. He says, great photo. He says, I got good news. You got 170 yards in. And my ball was like just prime real estate center cut. Um, so everybody else hit. I mean, they must have been 215 back. I mean, 215 in, maybe, maybe even longer, 230, 240. So, um, we select a six iron and again, the six iron, oh God, it's just like, it's not my shot this day. You know, it's like a little weak six iron. My full six iron is like 180, 185. So pulling, pulling 10, 15 yards off it and then trying to play this cut that I'm already pushing and cutting, it's not working for me. And I would be proven of that in a moment. So, uh, so, um, so I, uh, I pull out my six iron and, um, yeah, starts right, goes right. We can't find it. It's pretty much in the water. is a good stripe though. You know, like that was kind of the thing. That was kind of the theme of the day. Good shots, just kind of like missing, just like a bad result. I would love to go back there and see what my intelligence would do with me another round and order to sort of know a little bit better and just be way more familiar with where to miss. Like I was kind of going through there like an idiot, um, Anyway, uh, I drop and I get up and down for par. So that was cool. Um, and then, um, you know, it's a little tiny baby chip over the Creek and just, you know, medium sized putt, but I'm also at this point, not really caring. You know, it's not the biggest deal. Um, the 13th green is massive. 14. We cross over and we're kind of all experiencing, I think what feels a bit like exhaustion. Here we are. It's been a long walk, you know? Um, and we get on the 14th tee and um, Tom Thomas, the British guy with the um, 14 handicap sighs. There's a big sigh. And I think we all felt that way. Okay. Amen. Corner's done. It's over. Completed. Um, strange to be a, filled with relief after that. I don't know. For me, it was challenging. I don't know what the other guys shot. I think, you know, Thomas and Andreas, you know, we're struggling with swing stuff. Brian, Brian, Normally I'm very good at knowing what other people are doing on the course, but today I just, like if, like if I was done putting, I kind of walked off the green and just went and did photography, you know? And I don't think that was terribly selfish. I mean, I was planning on sharing photos with all these guys and I got all the caddies info and I'm going to share all the info with them. So I don't know. I mean, normally I would never do that and I would stay and be a part of it. But, you know, we were joking how we would be together for the rest of our lives because of all the photos. Um okay so now we're on 14 which is a uh it's 380 and um you know I kind of confuse 7 14 and 17 they they're all very similar holes um but uh but 14 we all hit great drives right in the fairway there um Yeah actually 7 is three hundred and thirty, fourteen 14 is three hundred and eighty, seventeen 17 is 370 Um, yeah, so, so 14, I'm I'm actually really having a hard time differentiating between 14 and 17, 17 has the much more complicated green 14 has, I got to refresh my memory. Apologies. All right. I got the answers I needed to tell you the story properly. Very confused. Okay. 14. Um you know it's just that little uphill kind of moves a little bit to the left. I there's no bunkers. Uh, I hit the drive. Great drive, middle of the fairway. Out there, ready to go. I've got a I have a uh 6 iron in again, which like the math doesn't make sense. So I think actually the T's were not playing 380 or something. Um But anyway, I do that little wipey six iron thing again. I'm like, this time I'll get it. Nope. Short right, just off the green. And the flag is back left. And so I've got like sort of a lot of of, um, green to cover, but also a lot of elevation to cover. And so I'm like, Brian, why don't I just float it up there? And it'll just like, I think it'll just hang around that little pedestal in the back by the hole. It might move a little bit right. He's like, yeah, I agree. You got it pull the trigger. Perfect. One foot, easy par feeling really good about my short game. Ironically as, as much as I downplayed it from the beginning. Um, so that's super awesome. I'm feeling really great. I'm off the green super quick. I tap it in. So then I go take some photos. I took some photos of the um, 15th tee box. And I was really trying to photograph a lot of the tee boxes because I just am obsessed. I have like a tee box fetish. And we actually started talking about this on the, um, on the 15th tee with the group. You know the tea box for me is this place of congeniality. It's a place of um small talk it's a place of opportunity but the green is much more serious. there's not a lot of talking and the green is also much more like celebratory or very um very uh it can be very negative as well you know putter putter throw um you, you you tend to blame the green a lot for a spike mark or you get the read wrong. You don't blame the tee box. The tee box is just a flat piece of grass. For some reason, no one gets bothered by it. I love a tee box. Thomas said, well, do you like dingy tee boxes? And I was like, yeah, there's, n- I haven't met a tee box. I don't like, I think more thematically bigger. The tee box is the beginning of the story. You know, you know, you, 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 the the first tee box is one of the greatest tee boxes in golf. You know, you you head out, no idea what's about to happen. You want a hole in one, whatever it is, birdie twelve, eagle thirteen, hole in one on sixteen. Um, so we talk about all that, and then you know, um, another great tee shot on uh fifteen, great tee shot, right in the middle of fairway, um. I have a oh, – wait, fuck, sorry, one second. Okay, thank you for excusing me, experiencing all sorts of things in my body after eating three cookies. I'm pretty sure the recommended dosage is probably one, but I promised that this would be a special podcast. All right, so we're making our way to the end of this here, uh, 15 I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of Fairway. Um, I've got kind of an easy three-wood. Um so I'm thinking lay off it again. I just can't do this layoff shot. I need to never lay up on a shot, not lay up, but lay off. Um, I have like 220, uh, front edge, 230 pin, 228 pin. So my three wood is like 250. I mean, normally, but you know, everything's moving pretty slow. So I do an easy three wood again, wipes it to the right a little bit in the water. I'm like, now I'm pissed. Brian goes here, just, just take another shot. I was like, all right. So I dropped there. And then I, I hit a really good three wood, like just straight as an arrow, about 30 feet right of the flag landed right in the middle of the green. And that was good. I think energetically that got me and Brian and the golf ball back as a, back as a group as we were now, you know, we were all heading in one direction, favorite band, just kidding. Never listened to them. I'm sure they're great. Love it. Great band. Never listened to it. So I'm on the green now. I'm lying one, two, three. I'm lying. I'm lying four on the green. Is that right? Drive. Water. Drop. Green. Yeah, I'm lying four. Yeah, right. And then I three putt. One, two, that's seven. I got a seven. Yeah. Huh, is that right? Okay. I had a seven. Um, Second hardest hole. Hardest hole on the second nine. Um, yeah. And then again, like just had trouble with the long putt. He was like, get it to here and it'll go the rest of the way. I got it there and it did not go the rest of the way. And then I had a really hard two putt from the place where my first putt landed. But, you know, again, just not, not, it's not tremendous. You know, it just is what it is. It's just, it's golf. It's incredible. Right. Um, but my biggest problem of the day was the half shots and the green speeds. I was short on seven putts you know, that should have just gotten there. Um, but you know, things turned around a little bit. Um, not a 180, but maybe more like 30 degrees. They turned around, um, the 16th hole, uh, we walk up and this Thomas tells the British writer tells me this is his favorite hole. So I do a video of him swinging, which I will burn after I send it to him. I was hoping one of us would get a hole in one, but obviously, um, you know, that didn't happen because otherwise I would be way more excited about telling you this story. Um, I hit a eight iron, hit it really good, and um, it just kind of was like short right of the flag, and my putt was like a foot away. I had like a thirty footer, and um, yeah, and just had a tap in par. That was nice. That was cozy. Um, that's a nice walk. You know, someone someone did mention I got to hit a skipper on that, but the skipper, it's not the right vibe, right? The skipper is fun when a lot of people are there, but we were there and we're just like trying to make sense of the experience. The skipper was just almost an extra wheel that we couldn't spin, you know? So, uh, we go oh, on the 16th green. I got the best photo of uh, Dick holding the flag. And so these are the yellow pins with the yellow flags, but they don't say masters. They say Augusta national golf club and they are legit. They're beautiful and so i got this great photo of of uh, dick holding that and they were so nice i was like you want to take a photo of you they're like no problem i was like look i'm going to send you all these photos you guys are going to love them you guys and i got these great photos of all four of them like walking off in the distance like uh, kind of like uh, sweeping an area for you know drugs it's a weird thing to say but you know sort of like perfectly spaced apart amongst this theater stage 17, 17 is what I I confused. 13 and 17 in my head. 17, uh, was a great par for me. I, um, I just hit a really nasty pull, um, into the trees on the left. And, um, I did not have a shot at the green. So I just took a four iron and just hit a low chip, a low, like kind of, I was looking for like a hundred yards Um, and yeah, it was, it was fine. It was what we needed. And then, uh, again, I just hit a great chip. Like my chip was like the the pin is front, right. Or middle, right. And I was short left and the the bunkers were like kind of away from my, uh, shot. So I had a nice shot. It's set up nicely. And, um, yeah, just threw it up there. It looked like it was going to roll in. You know, there was a few times where it looked like my chips were going to roll in, but I think that might be the genius of Mackenzie just playing with his future patrons that would be holding golf clubs. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it was probably to, how far was that putt? I'm trying to recall it. It was about six feet, maybe five feet. Um, it had kind of rolled around the hole, so it was right of the hole. And um, I had a little bit of help from Brian, who had like a 10 footer. He was kind of right on the fringe there with his second shot. So for Birdie, he was looking at that. Um, but yeah, that was an easy putt. It wasn't that hard. Um, kind of curled in the right side. And then, man, here we are 18th T box. The round is essentially over. The experience is behind us. The course is basically behind us. You know? Um, I take a bunch of photos of the 10th green because you can kind of see it from 18. No, that's not true. What did I do? Oh, I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I forgot. I walked away and had a moment by myself. Oh, I took photos of the scoreboard, I took photos of the TV towers there and I'd get some good photos of the T-box itself. 18 T-box is great. And I love the 18 T-box because it sets up really nice for me to to move it to the right. And so, yeah, I'm just thinking this is money all day. I'm just going to hit a nice. I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to hit a hard shot. Um and so what happens when I say I'm going to hit a hard shot is it usually ends really really um, disastrously. And so, you know, similar to 12, I played it a lot like uh, Jordan Speith. I actually also played 18 like him this year. Um, I hit a snap hook, um, that I did not know the whereabouts of. And Brian said, I'm not going to lie to you. We might not find that one. So I hit a provisional and it's, uh, it's consistent and does the exact same thing. I snap hook that one into no man's land. And now I'm, I'm a bit sore about that because, you know, I was relying on my T shots at least. Um, So I sort of dilly-dally. I don't quite leave the tea box. Everyone else is walking. I just sort of, I started taking close-ups of the tea markers, which were these beautiful, you know, these wooden wooden sticks, you know, that have like lichen and they're really wet and they're kind of mossy. And then I finally leave the tea box because, you know, I'm probably going to be asked to leave if I just stay there. And uh, I see Brian standing a little bit further than Jordan Spieth was up the left side of 18, almost before the fairway even starts. And he's like, "I found both your balls. They were right next to each other. I think they hit this tree and kicked down." So it's like in this pretty nasty, wet rough, and I've got like two, yeah, two. I think it's two fifty, like high two fifty, mid two fifties. Um. No, that's not right. It's high two thirties because he's like, you cannot go over the green. Like you, it's physically impossible. Even if your max is two fifty five with your three wood from this lie, with this air, with that elevation, you will never go long of the green. So give it all you got and just and just hit it. And I was like, okay, for Christ's sake, let's just hit one balanced shot. You know, let's just stay over the ball, swing keep your head down, keep your body like a, like a telephone pole and just wrap that phone wire around the ball, you know? And I do that. Uh, again, it's just a bit of a straight push, just a little bit right of the green. And you know, they've got the green, is like on one level and then the fair and then the greenside bunkers kind of descend a little bit. And then after that, it descends a little bit more into a bit of a collection area. And then it goes back up to where the patrons sit. So like if I was actually Jordan Spieth, I would have killed somebody, but no one was sitting there. So, um, so I had like a weird downhill lie chip to like, a probably I had like a 25 foot carry and I, and Brian was like, don't ask, just do. And he's like, land it here. And he had like a spot that was like 30 feet right of the pin, uh, middle of the green. And, you know, I'm trying not to be upset about the tee shots, but I'm also really excited because I have a chance to make par. You know? Uh, so I hit my chip, and it is perfect. Perfect chip. One of those ones, the ball is just sort of, you know, high-fiving all the grooves as it slides up the face of the club. You know, and it's just sort of high shot. I open up the club face nice and high. The ball just, and then you can hear everything's so quiet there. You could hear the ball just, actually, it's like that. It sounded more like, trying to manipulate the sound. You know what it sounded like. It sounded like that. Ball lands, kicks a little bit forward, kind of moves. You know, the pin is front left, so it's in the middle of the green. It's coming downhill. It's kind of moving away from me a little bit. hits the fringe, slows down a little bit, curls back down. Again, looking like it's going to go in the hole from a man like me, who's in it, who's a, uh, you know, a probably a, what would what I it, like a, like a optimist that really has no grounding in reality, like a foolish optimist. I thought it was going to go in the hole. It came to rest four feet from the hole and this one counted. This one mattered. You know, I really wanted a par 18. I really wanted to walk off with, you know, for at least within myself, a little bit of dignity. So I was the last one to putt and he was like, you know, he was like maybe a hair outside left edge. And I was like, how about this? I've been short all day inside left. I'm going to hit it hard. And he was like, I like it. And then he just walked away. I pulled the putter back. I became frozen with fear and emotion, but it didn't manifest itself in the yips. And I made the putt and I walked off 18 with the best part of my life. So how's that? If you were keeping score, I shot a 42 on the second nine. Exactly like the 42 I shot on the front. So I walked out of Augusta National with an 84. That's the number you've all been asking. What did you shoot? How did you shoot? How did you play? The interesting takeaways are the first nine and the second nine are... Well, we're very different for me, right? Because uh, on the first nine, I felt like I was confidently standing over the ball, making good shots and just sort of making minor mistakes here and there. And mostly three putts. The second nine, I felt like I was like coming in there with like an amputated hand and like just like crying and bleeding, you know, um, much more big mistakes on the second nine on the first nine. I had one double bogey on six. No, that's not true. I had two double bogeys on the first nine. Um, On both the par threes, literally the par threes, I'm three, four, five, six, I'm seven over on the par threes. (laughs) Literally more than 55% of my drop shots came on the par threes. Wow. Things of interest. Eric's par three scoring average. Um, But, you know, the second nine felt way more brutal to me, even though, ironically, they were the same score. Uh, the first nine has a different feel to it. You know, it's much wider. It's much more, it's much more old school. The second nine is much more glitzy and famous. Um, if I had to choose, I, I really like the first nine, which I know is counter. Maybe like the hipster in me It's just like, you know, that one about the hipster? How many light, how many people does, how many hipsters does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, it's a number you haven't heard of. Um, so yeah, I, the other takeaway was walking up to the 18th green. Here we had been out on the course experiencing this journey on our feet and in our minds and in our hands, on our skin, with our eyes. And I had seen the clubhouse for many days now in a row, both inside out, walked around it. But walking up 18, it looked different to me all of a sudden. I mean, like very different. It looked way more intense and formidable. It looked more... uh Not mean, not that's not the word I want to use, but it's like it's like it just looked more serious and bold. Whereas prior to that it looked more like uh my grandma's house. Beautiful, cute, Hampton's maybe. No, but coming in on eighteen, this was a man's house. This was a very masculine clubhouse that sprawled out for long long distance. And that could be because when you come up 18, you're a bridge below it and probably you're staring at this flag and for a while you don't see the clubhouse and all of a sudden you see it and the first thing you see is this incredibly long black shingled roof that's bisected only by the oak tree. You know, so it just had a much more serious energy. We walked off rather quickly, took our hats off, said thank you to everybody took another photo. I got a photo with all the caddies whom I really loved. Um, my battery died at that moment. I went through three full batteries on the course. I've never done that. I don't even know why I have three batteries. That's not even an issue for me. Or mostly I just like to be prepared. Like if I was ever in a place where they didn't have electricity, because I do that a lot, I guess. I, I don't think I do. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then I walked upstairs cleaned off my shoes, asked if the shower was free. They said no. So I grabbed my wallet and went to the pro shop and went nuts. I was like a, I was like on bath salts just looking for faces to eat. Went into that pro shop. I bought so much stuff. And like I said, I want to, let's see, let's come up with the first way to do this. Hang on. All right. So I got a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to be giving it away intentionally. Like I'm not going to give away one thing at a time. I'm just going to send you something. Hopefully you like it. Uh, okay. The first quiz question is what is the area to the left of the eighth fairway called and why that's it? So first person to DM me that I'll send you something. Um, Ooh, very exciting. (laughs) Who's it going to be? Um, what else I got? Um, hang on one more time. Oh, I almost forgot. Yeah. One of my favorite moments of the entire round was, when Brian and I were walking up 13 before I hit my six iron in the water, but after he took my photo by the tributary to Ray's Creek on 13, I looked over to him and I was like, Brian, I just realized something. And he goes, what's that? I was like, you, you very well will probably forget me, but I'm never going to forget you. <laughs> He sort of said, he like didn't want to admit that he would probably forget me. It did occur to me that maybe he wouldn't because I did have this sort of like, obviously unusual, my entire experience during the week was like, I have two, there's something good and something bad about me, especially when being in a place like Augusta where, you know, I want to do right and I want to be respectful. But at the same time, you know, it's like that I'm very recognizable to the members, but also that's a good thing to some people, but to others it's also... And then also I'm very recognizable. So it's like these members probably looking around saying, who's that guy? Can't blame me. I would be wanting the same thing if I were them. And then, so Brian, Brian didn't want to admit that he might forget me. But, uh, but then we get up to walk into the clubhouse after 18 and he goes, give me one of your balls. We have one of your golf balls. I pulled it out. I said, what are you going to sign it? I said, no, I'm going to keep it. Put it in my shag bag. That way I'll remind it of you. That was pretty sweet. It's funny. I mean, the golf itself was not that emotional. It was an experience. That's actually a lot like a lot of other experiences. You play golf. The experience that was unlike any other was almost just the invitation, almost the acknowledgement that I would be allowed to do this. It was the things around the golf. I mean, the tee boxes are all the same. there are so many similarities with Augusta to every other golf course in the world, mainly that humans play it and then they create what they want out of it. You know, Augusta probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I only came into golf eight years ago. So for me, it doesn't really mean Tiger's 1997 chip. It doesn't really mean that because I didn't see that. It didn't really mean speed's 12th hole or speed's 18th hole. I don't really look at the PGA tour for that. People always ask me, what's your favorite course? What's your favorite adventure in golf that you think other people should do? And I'm kind of like, yo, that's you. You figure that out. I mean, I have some favorite experiences. I really loved going to Ireland with my family. But the truth is I kind of look at the next thing. Maybe that's why I like tee boxes so much because it's about the next hole. Your back is to the things behind you and you're moving on. You know, one of the hardest things about traveling is coming home and not moving for a minute. That's very hard. Someone messaged me. It was very nice. They said, uh, "How do you deal with the with that experience? It must be very depressing or emotional." What did they say? I actually wrote that one down. Maybe I put it away. Um, emptiness is the word they use. I thought that was very accurate and a very good observation. But yeah, the the golf itself is is just the golf. It's sort of like the exclusivity of the invite is really what it is. I was having dinner with uh, you know Kelly James, the singer, on Tuesday night last week, and it was actually really interesting. Ted Scott was there. I really wanted to talk to him about caddying for Bubba on the podcast, and he didn't want to do that as much as I did, so we haven't done that. But he's open to it. But he was saying uh, Kelly's dad was saying he grew up around Pebble. And his dad was saying, if you put a wall around Pebble and made it private and you made Augusta public, it would be the opposite. And I was like, you know what, man, you are probably right. Actually crazy. Like, like maybe not, but probably. So, you know, this idea that I've been to the Holy grail or that I've seen something, you know, one part of me is like not accurate. Not accurate. But then there's this other thing that happened, which is, I mean, I did what I did, right? I went to the pro shop. I got to go take a shower. It was a marble cube. It was amazing. I brushed my hair. I took a photo. I had another coffee. I wanted to eat, but they didn't have any food. So I went to the closest restaurant, which happened to be an olive garden. That was pretty interesting because I think you've heard me say that uh, one of my first golf trips ever was a solo trip around Alabama playing the Robert Trent Jones Trail. A lot of golf courses, and I was so broke at the time that I would sleep in my car outside of a Holiday Inn and then I would wake up and walk in like I owned the place only to use their bathroom and steal some bagels and coffee. Then I would drive to the next Robert Trent Jones Trail course, take a shower there. And I would go to Olive Garden and get the bottomless salad or whatever, the bottomless pasta. And I would watch Phil's highlights from, uh, I believe it was 2011, did he win? 2010, 2011. And, um, Olive Garden featured heavily in that memory of mine. I would just sit at the bar. So I walked in after playing against the National and went to Olive Garden, sat at the bar, ordered the same thing. Those for me are the moments, you know, like we said, the Cypress memory, it's not so much the golf course. We think it is, or rather we're allowed to believe it is, but in the end, it's really just our lives. It's really just our lives going from beginning to end like sand, you know, like sands of the hourglass. No, but I'm serious. I mean, golf is just your life, you know, if you want it to be. (sighs) Someone proposed the idea that, oh, I kept thinking like it was like the leftovers, you know, like we were playing, like, like we had no, like, like some people had been chosen and some others hadn't. And it felt like the leftovers. Like, oh, so sad everybody else didn't make it. I thought of it like a near-death experience, you know, where you're forced to really reframe things. And to be fair, I got home yesterday, less than 24 hours ago, and we started driving up my neighborhood, and I looked out the window, and it looked different. I walked in my house, and my house looked different. I felt different. Like, like I was different in my own house. It was weird. It was very weird. It still is. I feel different, but I don't know how. And I suppose it's like, kind of like, it'll take a while to settle in. Um, Yeah. Very strange. So after the Olive Garden, I went to my parents' house. They live about an hour and a half away. Saw them, gave them some booty, as in merchandise from the store. The merchandise, that 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 whole idea of what is the name of the area between the left of the 8th fairway, so that's for the Angel- Augusta National Golf Club gear. That's not for just any old master's gear. I got a lot of cool things. I got playing cards, hats, visors golf towels, ball markers, most of it, not for me. Um, What else? Is that it? Is that all there is? I can't wait to show you these photos. It's funny, you know, talking about this experience so, so much, it's funny it's funny that we don't talk about more things more often. It's funny that the idea of playing Augusta is sort of a secret. Like like most people don't really talk about it. Like they're almost ashamed or shy. Like the whole idea of like a humble brag kind of cracks me up. Like Paige brought that up on the last podcast. She was like humble brag. I was like no, not that humble. I'm just fucking bragging. <laughs> but like isn't that cool? I mean, wouldn't you want to? Wouldn't you want to be excited? Right? Like if you had a hole-in-one. Wouldn't you want to brag about that? Wouldn't you want to be excited? What's the difference between bragging and being excited? I don't know. I think brag, dicks brag. I don't, I don't know. I don't think of it like that. All right. So we are at, oh my God, this is the longest podcast ever. I'm going to finish up with this. Okay. Are you ready? Here we go. Um, I really want to thank you guys. You really legitimize this whole experience. You make it something really, really fun to share. And you, you literally have made the experience better. Literally being able to share this has been for me, one of the best moments of my life. If this had happened last year and I had to keep it a secret or if I wasn't really like, you know, using my voice in this way, I would be sad because it would be a reflection. And now this is going to live on and echo. And some of you even said, I'm more excited for you to play Augusta tomorrow than I am to care who finishes first place at the masters today. Can you believe that? I mean, that is just absolutely beautiful, unbelievable, ridiculous, and super cool. And so I feel that I really feel that that's a really incredible thing to say. And it lands on me. Um, I hang on, sorry. All right, so yeah, to get this thing set up here. So um so I went home and gave my parents some stuff, you know, at their house. I didn't grow up there, but it's their house now, and it's such a beautiful house. I got in around nine thirty. We stayed up till twelve, maybe even twelve thirty, talking. And my dad was like he's you know, my parents have been to Augusta and they've been to um, they've been to the Masters. Um, they love golf. They're not great at it, but they love it. And we went to Ireland and I mean, I wish I had had the podcast then we had the best time. I should probably go back and do a recap. Ooh, sorry. I went up the stairs and I'm out of breath Yeah, the cookie diet really gets you. Um, so, you know, my, my dad is like, Hey, so, you know, um, it was interesting to hear you talk about with the David Owen about how Augusta is actually kind of revolutionary, in their traditionalism, you know, with the, with the cell phones and stuff. He said, how do you think it's going to need to change for them to continue being successful? You know, like most technology companies, they need to keep uh, innovating, you know, and like i Apple went to the iPhone. What, what is Augusta going to do? And we kind of talked about it for a minute. I was like, no, no, dad, this whole thing is wrong because you think that Augusta is a golf course. You think the masters is a golf tournament, but it's not. It's a spiritual experience. What they are selling is actually a religion. And I started to realize it all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, there's a pilgrimage involved. Everyone goes. You go with your family. You spend time. You plan ahead. You dream about it. Sometimes decades in advance. You know, Stuart came and he had—he was in his late 20s and he had known about this place for 20 years before he actually got to go and we went two years ago. He cried just looking at Amen Corner. Right? So, So there's that. There's that aspect of traveling to this place. There's the history, right? There's the... There's the, there's the age of the place. There's the guru, if you will, right? And in this case, the guru you might think is Bobby Jones, which is fine. But in some sense, the man behind the curtain is really Clifford Roberts, a genius. You know, and they invent a tradition and they, and they make sure that they have good PR around it, a.k.a. the media center. Very nice, very good, where they can tell the story with control, which is not a bad thing. I like to have control over it, you know, and then they have a uniform. In this case, it's a green jacket. What does that do? Does that separate the members from the non-members? Not really. What it does is, is it unifies the members and keeps them all equal. It's a very important thing. That's kind of like, um, a lot of religions, especially in the Middle East. You know, they all wear the same thing because it's not about ego. You know, um, you, uh, we had other discussion points that were really incredible, but I'm not remembering them right now. Um, you know, a lot of people call, you know, Augusta and and the masters Mecca, right? And so, yeah, you've got that pilgrimage aspect and as well. You know, it's so hard to actually get inside that church. You can go visit it just like the Wailing Wall or whatever, and you can bring a piece back. A lot of people did a lot of you guys did ask me for divots, but I didn't I didn't take any divots. I don't know why. Just was disgusting. It's just grass, guys. It's nothing that special. (laughs) And this is my final point, is that it's not it's 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 the way we see it rather than what it is and that's it like that doesn't I'm not saying that it's an empty balloon that once you pop it it's nothing and I'm telling you I feel like a different person after having been there and been invited and having in some sense more than anything else a lot of you were very generous in saying that I deserved this and that I manifested this and I don't know if I believe that but I do believe that there is some level of micro karma involved in this. But then again, even that feels like it's tooting my own horn. Like that's not really the way I feel. I just feel like a lucky son of a bitch. You know, I don't know what I did now. Well, you're very nice of you. You'll say, Oh, well, you're helping golf. You're good for golf. Well, that's, that's a compliment much higher than I think I would ever tell myself. And I appreciate it. And I never wanted to do it. That doesn't mean I don't love doing it. It just means how little I know about what I should be doing on this planet. So I hope you enjoyed all this. I sure did. Well, you know better than I do that I do not know how to end a podcast. (laughs) I really don't. I feel like I left so much stuff out. You know, for everything I said, there were 10 things that happened in between that were hard to even move outside of my own head. You know, that was the biggest thing is it's hard to even describe this thing. It's hard to even describe it. I mean, on some level, one of the greatest things about playing Augusta is you can sort of walk around like you played Augusta. (laughs) It's almost like, um, um, it's almost like having money. It almost feels like I have money in my pocket experiential money, but trust me, it makes us no different. One person said, my friend Joe, he said, well, there's two types of, there's two types of golfers. Those who have played Augusta and those who haven't. Yeah, kind of, but we say that before we play it. And then when we play it, we realize, Mm. you know, there's like the teacher, right? He goes, uh, he goes into town and he says, um, hello I'll be giving a speech please uh please uh those of you that know please tell those of you that don't know and the ones that know actually I can't I don't know the answer to this I can't do this man I gotta get better at ending podcasts I thank you for listening if you actually did listen that's incredible um Enjoy your next round wherever it is. And um, let's have fun with this with this little giveaway with all this cool stuff I got for you guys. You know, there's a fun way to do it. We got that one trivia question if you message me about that. Um, and then I was thinking there's some other cool stuff we could do. Like, um, I don't know, just interesting ways. Like, who would you go with? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Just, just leave it at that. If you can figure out what the name of that little area is in the trees to the left of the 8th fairway, message me. And if you... If you feel so bold, let me know what you want. Guys, that's it. I'm out. This is Eric. And remember, golf is a game. <laughs> have a good one. Oh, my God. I can't believe I played a <sighs> Who wants my scorecard? I might frame that. No, I'm not much of a golf framer, though. I don't really frame the paraphernalia. I have one framed golf thing in my house, and it's a map of Askernish. I love maps. I love maps. I have a map of Askrenish, which is super cool. <sighs> All right. Well, that was an odyssey. I um, Thank you so much. This is Eric from The Eric Lang Show saying good night and have a great day wherever you are. And enjoy it.